Hey everybody, Zach here. People often ask me where I go to learn about what's new and next in enrollment marketing. And I tell them that most of my learning actually comes from following thought leaders on social media and then trying to convince them to come on a podcast and share their insights with me. And that's actually exactly how I met my now friend, Matt Diddlegen, who is the co-founder and CEO of Glacier. Glacier is the leader in high school advertising for higher education. Matt has been on the podcast a few times now. Some of you have probably listened to one or more of his episodes. And every time I interview him, I'm just amazed by what he and his team are up to. So I finally convinced Matt to become an official Enrollify partner, which means I get to tell you all about why I love Glacier. Glacier offers the largest high school advertising network in North America. This unique platform allows higher education marketers the opportunity to place massive billboard-style ads directly inside feeder high schools, leverage influential students as brand ambassadors, and layer in a robust digital advertising component. They are actively writing the book on how to use micro-influencers in enrollment marketing and how to generate ROI from social networks like Snapchat and TikTok. Anytime I want to know what works and what doesn't when it comes to digital advertising to high school students, I call the Glacier team. If you are ready to take your high school recruitment to the next level or want to learn more about how Glacier can help you, you can visit their website at weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify to check out their free resources or to schedule a chat with one of their team members. Again, that's weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify. And be sure to tell them that Zach from Enrollify sent you. All right, guys, thank you and enjoy this week's episode. Gen Z culture moves incredibly fast and it's only increasing in the rate of its acceleration. Higher education moves comparably slow and therefore there's often a disconnect between higher ed and prospective students. Everyone in higher ed wants to know what strategies and tactics work best to recruit this next generation of students. And just when folks think they've got it, preferences seem to change. Welcome to Signals, a special series on the trends, indicators, and Gen Z behaviors shaping the future of higher ed digital advertising. Brought to you by Glacier and Enrollify. I'm Zach, founder of Enrollify. And I'm Matt Diddlejan, co-founder and CEO of Glacier a digital advertising agency specializing in youth marketing and higher education. You can subscribe to this series and access other podcasts, e-courses, videos, and more at enrollify.org. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Glacier, head on over to weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify and download one of their epic white papers. All right, without further ado, welcome to the show. All right, so Hannah and Kamal, if I were lucky enough to be invited over to your respective families' homes for a dinner, <laughs> and if I were to ask your parents or siblings or you know just other close family friends to describe you, what do you think that they'd say? And Hannah, we'll start with you, and then we'll go over to you, Kamal. Yeah, um, I think they definitely say I'm driven, but also super stubborn in the be- in the best way possible. Um, <laughs> I I think that a little bit of that comes from just like I really would like I really want to accomplish things. I really want to be super successful. So if it's something that I have to be super stubborn about to get there, like I will. But um, you know, when you put your mind to something, you you really want to achieve it. So uh, 
Stubbornness is definitely one of my bigger qualities, but again, in the best way possible. <laughs> the best kind of stubborn person that there is. Yeah. Hey, stubborn, yeah. <laughs> stubborn and driven, you know, they don't always go hand in hand. So uh, when they do, it's good. It's good. Uh, better than them not going hand in hand. What about what about you, Kamal? Yeah, well, to me, my mom, she kind of loves to brag sometimes, but um, she would describe me as like someone who's creative, who loves to learn, think outside of the box. But um, my siblings, you know, they're six and eight. They would say that I'm annoying. I like to pick on them sometimes and we like to play. But um, it is also like an amazing um, way to like, you know, play with them. And um, of course, just you being a good brother. But you know how siblings are. But, you know, it's it, mom, mom's just being mom. So if you come over, you will cook you some dinner. Um, nice. Some both of you. So you can get to try some Indonesian food. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, I'm a big foodie, so uh, we'll have to find a day and a time that works, and I'm going to take you up on that. Um, Absolutely. Let's tell you one. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, to to give you guys a little bit of context, our our listeners know this, but, you know, we, I've been privileged to talk to uh, not quite 200, but well over 100 uh, marketing and admissions professionals in higher ed or, or folks that serve higher ed. So folks that might be working at a marketing agency or a software company where higher education is sort of their, their core uh, target market. And, um, I, you know, I get to talk with these people all the time and everyone's talking about Gen Z and talking to me about sort of what they think works and doesn't work when it comes to recruiting Gen Z or communicating with Gen Z. But believe it or not, this is like the first podcast that we've had on this show or, or any of Enrollify podcasts where we've actually talked to two folks that are from Generation Z. And so I'm really, really, really excited for today's conversation because um, this is, I, you know, putting the student voice in particular in this show has been important to me for a while. And it's just, for so many reasons, something that we haven't been able to do until right now. So I'm super eager to dive in. I have so many questions for you. As I just mentioned uh, before we hopped on here, I tweeted and, and posted some stuff on LinkedIn last night asking folks to uh, ping me with questions that they have for you. And I have several additional questions that folks have asked uh, beyond the ones, the, the, the few that I shot over to you to prepare for. So it's going to be a jam-packed conversation. But uh, to kick us off, I'm, I'm, I just want to start by getting a sense for what your respective morning routines look like. So your alarm goes off, you grab your phone, and then what happens next? And this time we'll start with you, Kamal. Well, to me, I would personally check all the messaging apps first, like to see what my friends are keeping updated in the morning or any text that I miss um, late at night. Um, and then I would go to Instagram just to keep up like with the feed real quick for like a minute or so. And then this is the worst part here. I go to YouTube and then I, I would like watch the feed. And then next thing you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes later, I'm like stuck watching videos. And then next thing I know, I need to get ready. So that's like kind of my morning routine. I don't really check social media that's not that much, but I make sure to like check Instagram and YouTube and you know Twitter and like messaging apps just to keep like updated throughout the day in the morning as well. So and in yes. for for messaging apps, so obviously you know iMessage. I, I'm, do you have an iPhone? I should have asked. Yeah. Okay, I so iMessage, right? <laughs> and then what other like what other messaging apps, if any, would you check before making your way over to Instagram? So I would check definitely GroupMe. Um, that's like where my school organization like keep updating on like stuff. So like if there's an event coming up, I would check that. Also like Microsoft Teams as well. And for like fun chats, um, so Line for like my friends from Indonesia, they like we'd like to chat with each other in that platform. But also like Messenger, so um, just to keep connected with friends. But yeah. 
Love it, it love like it, and and just just to, from there. yeah, and just to just to clarify too. So I noticed that you said Instagram, and then you make your way over to YouTube, and then you sometimes get caught in you know caught watching YouTube for for more than a handful of minutes. Um, yeah, and then you said Messenger, but like, do you do you have a actual Facebook account, or do you ever go on Facebook uh, for sort of social browsing purposes, or are you pretty much only using Facebook uh, for for their Messenger app? I just use Facebook for the messenger app. Honestly, I don't really use Facebook that much, um, mainly because a lot of like the older people um, <laughs> use Facebook. The older people. And then, like, next thing I know, if I status, my mom, um, aunt would like reply. <laughs> and then like, next thing you know, the grandma would like like my post and then they're like, oh, come on. Like, you know, I miss you. It's been a long time. And we would like have a conversation in the chat. And then next thing you know, the feed would like stack up and yeah, I mean, it's it's fun, but of course, like a lot of the older generation being on the platform kind of like makes me um, like scared to like share stuff and like um, being myself. So, yeah, it's it's but it's, it's fun. Facebook is still it's still great to like keep stuff updated. I love it. Uh, thank you for that yeah. context. All right, Hannah, you're up. What what is your morning routine look like? Your alarm goes off and then what happens? Yeah, I was actually saying to Kamal before you jumped on. I'm ashamed to say it, but I am addicted to my phone. Like I am always on my phone. Um, so when I wake up, I usually start my day around like 7.30, 6.30, really depends on how tired I am. But, um, and it might sound a little weird, but the first thing I do is like try to like figure out which notifications need to be cleared out. So a lot of the times if I have, I'll, I'll usually start with like Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'll see, you know, if there's any Instagram like messages I've gotten, anything like that. Um, Twitter, I'll usually check and see what's trending. I'll see um, if I had gotten any like funny tweets sent to me during the night when I was asleep. Um, and then Snapchat, I'll go on and I'll see like the stories, but I won't actually open any of my Snapchats that I've gotten. Um, and then usually the last thing that I check is Facebook because um, it's usually just so, like Facebook letting me know that it's somebody's birthday today. And I'm like, oh, just got to clear out that notification. <laughs> Maybe I'll say happy birthday to them, but they're probably a really distant person. Um, but yeah, I... We'll do a quick, I'll do like a super quick scroll through everything um, just to kind of get a summary for what's going on and what's happening in the world um, before I start my day. And then I'll just get up and start getting ready. Um, I usually stray away from TikTok in the morning because that is a hole that I will absolutely fall into. And before I know it, I'll be late for class. Um, so I try to stick to just clearing out my notifications and then I'll just check it throughout the day. And quick clarifying uh, question here. So you mentioned yeah. when you log on to Snapchat, you might watch some stories, but you don't actually open any of the snaps that have been sent to you. Why, why is that? It's usually just because I just woke up and I don't, do not want to see, like, I don't want people to see me like right when I wake up. Um, <laughs> and I'm just not, I'm not in the mood to have any kind of conversation yet. I am like, I'm like, I'll get there. I just woke up. Let me have my coffee first and then we can talk. Um, but I'll check stories because obviously we're we're college students. So some people that we go to school with, they're up all night. Um, and like that's that's one thing. And I'll just like do a super quick tap through, um, get it out of the way, get any notifications gone. And then I'll just be like, OK, clean slate. I can start my day. 
Wonderful. Okay. That, uh, that's super, super helpful context. All right. So you're out of bed. You guys have gotten ready for the day. You hit, hit up your first class or, uh, you start working on a project that you might be working on, whatever it is. What happens next? Like how, how, I guess, often do you spend time? Hannah, you were, you said you're addicted to your phone, but how often <laughs> are you spending time like on social media throughout the day? And what are sort of the platforms that you tend to spend the most time? on and uh what do you think it is about those platforms that you know suck up so much of your time and, and compel you to uh to keep watching i um i checked my screen time last night on my phone and i was kind of appalled um but uh during the day it'll usually be like quick between classes we have like 10 minutes between classes yeah. if they're back to back um and so i'll just send a few snapchats again check Twitter quickly, see if anything, like see what's trending. I'm big into like knowing what's going on in the world just kind of throughout the day. Um, but as for like the apps that I spend the most time on, I learned that last night that I spent five hours a day on TikTok. Five hours a day. Which is absolutely yeah. crazy to me because if you asked me before I checked that, I would have never thought that. I would have been like, oh yeah, I watch a few 30 second, second videos like every now and then throughout the day. But it's what happens at the end of the day. I come home from classes and work. I'm exhausted. And I just want to do some mindless scrolling. And before I know it, several hours have passed. And I'm like, oh my God, I have homework to do. Like, what am I, what am I doing right now? And I have to kind of snap myself out of it because it's, again, it's one of those very mindless things where I'm absorbing content and I don't even realize it. And it's just been, you know, before yeah. I know it, spent a few hours like so it's probably like three hours at night and then you know a few like a few hours spread out across yeah. the most of the day what about you kamal content you know content is king so like i'm i'm a i'm official person type of guy so look you know during between classes i like to go to instagram scroll through check my feed and you know if, if there's a video i would like stay and watch on it but like if i if i were like get getting home um i would like check youtube and I would stuck on it for like hours again. What you know, like YouTube Shorts, um, they're very addicting. Um, especially like um, stuff that is trending or um, you know the topic that you're like very interest, interested in. And so I just like between times I like to make sure that I, I go on social media and I check stuff like in a platform mm -hmm. that has a visual content. So um, instead of like Twitter um, text based, I just make sure like you know go scroll Instagram and. Um, Watch, watch YouTube or, you know, see pictures and um, see what's happening around the world. Very visual. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, how uh, do, do, do you find that your friends pretty much consume content in a similar fashion? Do folks like when you talk to your friends about the platforms that they spend time on, like, is it is it mostly TikTok, YouTube, Instagram? Are there other platforms that folks spend more time on? Or I guess, how do you think that your friends spend their time online? Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so like to me, like based on my like experiences, um, for people like my, my friend group, we just send each other like memes or like you know, yeah, some some funny stuff going on. It's mostly like videos related or pictures, like that there's barely text, right? So um, we as a Gen C myself, like we love pictures and videos, and it's what attract us, mm -hmm. like our attention, even though sometimes people say like we have a short attention time, but I mean we do, that, but yeah, that, that's that's not like the the um the how social media kind of evolved nowadays is like the videos more it's like more like short form factors and you know we grab onto it 
like we love it. So um, every day I would get, you know, videos sent to me, like quick videos and it's very entertaining, but barely like this amount of experience, like text is very like content that we share. So, I mean, we, I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with the fact that we literally grew up on social media. Like that yeah, is yeah. like, I think I got my first Instagram at 11 years old. I was in, I yeah, really? super early oh my on. Goodness. Yeah. Meanwhile, I didn't get a Facebook until I was like 16 or 17, which is, I feel, I feel like super backwards, but um, <laughs> no, but I think a lot of, and, and a lot of our friends are the same way. You know, they, um, I, I, I know that for me, I think I probably spend a little too much time on TikTok, um, out, like compared to what my friends do. I think a lot of them are um, Instagram, Twitter, and then Snapchat for communication. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the times I'll get like one of my friends will again, send me like a funny tweet or a funny Instagram post during yeah. the day. And that is what will trigger me to go through and like start scrolling yeah. through. So it's kind of I'd like to put it into perspective, think about like LinkedIn in mail. Like if I were to get like an in mail message or something, or just any kind of message at all, I'm going to, I'm going to like get distracted. I'm going to start scrolling through the social media platform again. And yeah. it's, it's an endless cycle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, uh, just because you brought this up, Hannah, too, uh, this distinction. So one of the things that we talk to folks about on, on this show a lot, um, is this idea of the difference between platforms that folks use primarily for communication versus platforms folks mm -hmm. use primarily for like content consumption. Yeah. Um, and I guess a bit, a big question mark for folks have been like, where does Gen Z spend their sort of like communication time? Is it mostly happening through iMessage? Uh, we've heard, I've heard folks talk, you know, a bit about sort of how they, their actual primary method for communicating with their friends is, is through Snapchat. So uh, mm -hmm. you, you briefly talked on that, but like when you yeah. guys are communicating with your friends, like are you using different platforms to have dialogue than you are to just kind of mindlessly entertain yourself? And if so, like what are those platforms that you communicate through and which ones are the ones that you primarily go, for, go to for entertainment purposes? So Snapchat definitely for entertainment purposes. I usually use iMessage um, for any kind of like actual conversation I'm having with people. But if it's going to be just some like mindless Snapchat back and forth, like, oh, here's a look into my day at what I'm doing and we don't have to say anything. You can just see what I'm doing. Um, again, the visual instead of yeah, text, um, that is kind of what we'll do. Um, I mean, in terms of that, like, this is another thing that we were actually, a lot of your questions sparked up a lot of conversation between the two of us before this. <laughs> um, but like, I was talking about how, like, when it comes to people trying to understand Gen Z and how to reach them, um, I hate it when they do it through Snapchat. I mm. absolutely hate it. I agree with like, that. Yeah. it makes no sense to me because it's such a quick form, like where I want to talk to my friends. And then when I see, when I'm scrolling through stories and I see an ad, I immediately click through it. I could mm. not tell you a single ad that I have seen recently on Snapchat, but I could tell you Instagram, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, I could tell you an ad that I've seen on there, but Snapchat, huh. none of those are actually digesting because it's such a quick snapshot yeah. of a platform. Like it's like, so communication purposes through entertainment, absolutely Snapchat. But like, if I'm actually trying to have a conversation with someone, it's mm. going to be through texting. I mostly spend my time texting people via iMessage, but like if I want to share like a quick um, hell of my day, I would use Instagram stories as well. But um, Snapchat ads, they're kind of, to me, they're very spammy. I feel like they feel marketers that, yeah, like target um, towards Gen Z or Snapchat, they like try too hard and it doesn't come out as, as authentic as like 
you know, we perceive them to be. So yeah. I just uh-huh. I just skip them rather than um you know being like oh this is cool stuff you know but it's more like spammy whereas like it's it's kind of different different like each platform not sure like whether that's like the data um but on some ads like instagram i would kind of um check over it and like hmm, that's interesting and you can actually like have a link to go to that page and it's more personalized in my experience rather than like snapchat ads which i kind of feel more spammy huh. same thing with YouTube ads as well it's more like spammy where um you have to wait to skip an ad um, that's kind of what I personally want to skip an ad even though I'm a marketing major that's kind of my job but um yeah like I just skip ads on Snapchat and YouTube because I mean like, I feel like I have to like watch content I want like, to like see that content, content let me get to the content um and I feel like if the ad itself is like a sponsored or an influencer it would be better than just you know having it blatantly like showed up to you and um you know hey watch this uh for 30 seconds you can't skip it um, and have to wait for it. But, yeah. yeah, that that is uh, these these are remarkable insights because you know one of the things that literally like two weeks, two or three weeks ago on the show we were uh, having a debate about sort of like where to spend money uh, as a hiring marketer. Like if you're trying to reach Gen Z for student recruitment purposes, right? Wh- what are the platforms that you should be spending on? And uh, uh, the, this colleague uh, that I was talking to was 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 talking about this very issue. It's like, hey, you know, students spend tons and tons and tons of time on Snapchat. Uh, and yet sort of like when it comes to performance of uh, these ad campaigns, like not a lot of universe, colleges and universities are actually spending time on, spend, you know, spending any money on Snapchat ads or very, very little money. However, what... Um, Glacier, who's a, a partner uh, of this this special series that we're working on, they do a ton of research on digital advertising spend, specifically digital advertising spend to high school students. Um, and one of the things that they uh, have noticed with their campaigns is that while there aren't lots of colleges and universities spending ad budget on Snapchat, there's actually like pretty interesting uh, uh, lead gen um, uh, happening on Snapchat where, you know, the quality of folks kind of coming or excuse me, the quantity of folks kind of coming through the door are are small, but the quality of those individuals that are, you know, uh, swiping up or going, uh, you know, completing the offer that the ad is uh, hitting on um, is, is actually really, really high. So it's interesting to hear you guys say, hey, of all the platforms, Snapchat appears to be the platform that has the quote unquote spammiest of ads. Um, and it's interesting, their, their data says something uh, a, a little bit different, but you know, that in, in many ways, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about your personal preferences, but the fact that you both agreed on that is fascinating to me. And what I, what I would, I guess say is like, if in fact, what uh, Glacier's data says is true, which I've uh, seen the data, it, it appears to be true. Um, then maybe it's more about advertisers thinking more critically about like the kind of ad and the format of that ad to make it a little bit more uh, relevant to what you would expect yeah. to experience yeah. on the platform. Because if they, if they nail that and the data that they're, that they have, um, which already suggested there's decent legion coming from Snapchat, it seems like Snapchat could be this like very viable, like well of quality legion for schools in the future. It has to be something like that's the thing. It has to be something that's super digestible, super fast. Because, yeah. like I said, I am clicking through stories. Like yeah. Nobody's yeah. so I can see a quick flash of an ad, but it has to be something that's going to actually resonate with me. Um, just to yeah. actually get it to be worth something and get my attention and get me through the door and thinking about purchasing. Yeah. 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 No. And 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 again, like uh, the when D to C brands are. 
uh, traditional brands are advertising on on Snapchat and these other platforms. They might be a little bit different than how a college or university advertises, and so there's you know that nuance to keep in mind as well. But I'm curious when uh, you're you're on Instagram. Both of you said like you could tell me um, an ad that you recently saw on Instagram, on Twitter, maybe even on Facebook. Uh, are a lot of those ads that you're referring to are they in Instagram stories or is it uh, like wh- where are the ads that you're coming into contact with where you do think um you remember and and if so like what talk to me a little bit about like the format of that ad and and what platform it's on um i think it's for me personally it's directly in my feed it's not in stories it's it's something that gets incorporated into my feed that almost makes me think that i'm actually already following them Mm, you know where it's a sponsored post and it's something and you know we're in that age of targeted ads and i know with like the ios updates and policy privacy policies a lot of that's going to be changing but speaking before all of those new privacy policies you know it's that targeting is spot on so because because it's so spot on i'm gonna think oh my god i you know just for example like like any kind of like food delivery service. I've never actually used a food delivery service, but I well, I've considered it in the past. And all of a sudden they're on my feed and I'm like, hmm, I was just thinking about this the other day. Did I follow them? I should check yeah. this out. Like it's like that targeting is crazy. Yeah, and it works. And that and that's what gets me to like actually yeah. to get it to stay in my mind because I'm seeing it and thinking that, yeah, I follow it. That's that's like that's a company I want to buy from. Yeah, I mean, Instagram algorithm is scary. Oh my gosh, yeah. And it blends in so well with the feed. Yeah. Like, I was, I, I like, I watch a lot of sports highlight. Next thing you know, I'm getting sports highlight within an ad. I'm just like so, so into it. And the next thing I know, like, oh, it's a promoted post. Yeah. Or it's like a sponsored post. Like, when did this become a thing? And so it's next thing you know, you don't notice it, but it's really there. So it's, it's kind of like weird, but it's Instagram ad just, works really really well for some reason. I so. think it's I think it's really all about knowing your audience yeah. and what like what do you what do you think that they're seeing on their on their feed on a daily basis and how can you almost mimic that to blend your ad with what they're looking at. So again, college students, I'm following like clothing accounts, food accounts, are my my like a fellow students, you know, how do you, how do you take that and make it personalized to me or to like this particular generation of students to make it look like it's supposed to be in my feed and it's not out of place. That's a huge factor when it comes to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what brands or creators do you both follow? So people that you have like intentionally, and I'd love to hear if you have any creators top of mind, definitely want to hear who those folks are, but I'm, I'm even more curious about brands like who have you decided to follow um, and what makes their content, if if anything, interesting to you? Um, I know for me personally, I follow I, I, the, I guess a brand that is constantly on my feed is American Eagle slash Aerie. Um, but that's more because I prefer to follow brands and interact with brands that have a very um, transparent and honest brand message. Um, you know, you think about like, I, I just prefer like brands that are genuine and transparent. And those are the ones that I'm going to interact with. And the same thing goes for, I know, you know, I don't actually follow really any content creators on 
Instagram, like I follow like celebrities, but that doesn't, I don't know if that really yeah. counts, but um, I don't really follow any content creators on Instagram, Twitter, or anything. I follow a ton on TikTok. Um, yeah. Cause that, that is like, I feel like one of the primary content creating places right now for just regular people. Um, and the same, I've noticed the same pattern in my following habits there. It's people who seem very honest, real, genuine about their motives, about themselves um, and just their overall mission at, like with their personal brand. Um, mm. So that is just, I think something, you know, in this day and age where, you know, we have to deal with a lot of like, is there some sort of subliminal messaging going on? I just really prefer when someone's going to be honest. And I think like, even like Starbucks, like yeah. personally. Yeah. What about you, Kamal? So um, for me, I definitely, I agree with Hannah, of course. I like to follow brands that are genuine and of course a brand that makes an impact in the world. So definitely Patagonia stood out to me um, personally, but also HubSpot. Um, yeah. <laughs> personally, HubSpot kind of changed my life in some ways. Um, helped me realize how big of an impact it is to other people. And now like I'm giving back and helping other people as well through HubSpot. But also um, some content influencers that I personally follow um, are mostly like tech-based companies. So like um, Linus Tech Tips on YouTube, um, Nexus Games. So like all those people that keep me updated with like technology updates on a daily basis. Um, I just love technology. So that's what I follow overall. But being genuine and being authentic as a brand um, is what's going to make you resonate more with Gen Z. Um, Gen Z doesn't want to yeah. like want their time wasted. That's yeah. the thing. Time is very precious. I, I think to anybody, but especially with Gen Z, like if a brand is going to try and put up a front, we're going to know immediately. Like yeah. it does not take much for us to know. So being honest and real right from the start, yeah. like, and showing that you are like, it's, it's a true differentiator these days. Yeah. So also I, like, Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Also like you can't really make a wrong move. Yeah, you cannot make a wrong move. Cancel culture is mostly made up of... I hate um, cancel culture. Yes, I know. It's, <laughs> it's scary how, like, you know, things can change frequently. But um, cancel culture is basically, like, a lot of Gen Z participate in cancel culture. So, culture. so you got to make sure that, you you know, before advertising or before um, putting in on a movement that you have to, like, be authentic and you have to know your stuff. That right? strategy has to be airtight. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm curious because you guys are saying so so many incredible things right now, and I, I want to press into this idea of okay, what does it actually mean for a, a brand to be authentic, to, a brand to you know be forthcoming about sort of who they are, what they stand for, what they do, as opposed to sort of being like manipulative, right? It, you know, it yeah. it sounds to me kind of like what you guys are saying is that when somebody kind comes up and it's not entirely clear like what they're trying to do and or there's a suggestion that they might be trying to trick you into thinking something or trick you into doing something that that comes across as very offensive. So I'm curious, like what, what is an example of like a brand or even, even thinking about just your own experience, uh, thinking about college, right? Like how did schools interact with you? Are there any good examples that you have of <laughs> how schools interacted with you or how brands interacted with you, especially when it comes to advertising right yeah. that did yeah. seem real that did seem authentic and if so like what were those things about the ad or about the communication that stood out well funny enough actually um when i was applying to college a lot of the like like schools universities even and just like their brands that targeted me on social mm -hmm. media were ones that like i had considered going to but were actually like way out of my price range, like super expensive schools were the ones that were targeting me on socials. And I like, yeah. 
you can get me to your site, but the moment I see that price tag, like, sorry. But, um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot that you can say about your program and no, like, I don't even know how to say this. There's a lot that you can say about your program, but you have to still be upfront about everything, you know, be mm. transparent, be honest. And anytime I'm doing any, cause I do a lot of like, admit like open house events here and I've, that I've done in the past at school. And one thing I always say is ask me any question. You can ask me anything and I will be honest and transparent because that I want you to make the best decision because that's what I would have wanted as a student, you know? Tell, like, tell me what you don't like, tell me what you're worried about. And mm. I can try and either comfort your worries or I can address them. Um, and that's one thing that I feel like I didn't get when I like from mm. those big expensive schools that were targeting me on socials, it felt more like a money grab than it felt authentic. And I didn't end up going to those schools. I don't think I really got any, well, I like I'm from mm. around here, but I don't even think I really got any ads from UNH. Like other than like, other than the stuff you get in like yeah. the mail that your parents see and they're like, Oh, look at this look what came today. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I'll, I guess I'll check it out. But no, like the stuff that I was seeing on social media and especially right now, um, I'm looking at, I'm starting to look into grad schools, like very, very like briefly considering it. And yeah. Oh my God, my feed is all the schools that are just like so expensive. And it, you know, I guess, you know, having that expensive price tag comes with a big marketing budget, but just yeah. keep that, like, keep that in mind. Like if you're an expensive school, you know, be up front tell me what yeah. be up front. tell me yeah. what I'm paying for. So I want to, I, I want to tease this out a little bit. So like uh, for, to get really granular and specific here. So yeah. let's say you're scrolling through social media and you do, you recognize a, a name brand institution that is expensive. Right. And then right off the bat, that ad were to be something like, the you know sticker price of the institution with a big like x and then be something like but the average student ends up paying you know y and it's it's almost like this like little teaser and that it's very forthcoming it's saying that you've probably seen how expensive that we are but did you know that the average student only actually ends up paying you know 20k less than whatever the sticker price is let's just say that that's that would the absolutely case, right? get me to click yeah. on so it. being like so seeing something like that where it's like the, the price is right there but then also some interesting sort of like compelling marketing message to click through to like learn a little bit more about what this actually means. Yeah. Something like that would be interesting to you. Ab yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think also talking about like you, you kind of brought up, you know, you get the sticker price and you've got some other things that might get the student to like click through. Um, ex like experiential learning has been such a big factor in all schools. It's been really up and coming and um, that's something that I don't think schools market enough. So that would also get me to click on something like that's so yeah. huge these days. I feel like colleges haven't done much enough of that, like showing the actual value that students are getting mm -hmm. out of college and what they're actually like paying. So if like I see that ads, you know, I'm more interested to learn um, about the school than if I was like just seeing, you know, the simple highlight about campus and like some basic tours. So like value is very important to me and I'm pretty sure it's very important to like Gen Sears as well. And um, I personally, I, I think that um, if I were able to, um, market more to GNC, I would be more upfront about like the costs and um, by also highlighting the benefits as well and what students can get out of the college and universities as well. I think something else is yeah. a, like rankings for schools. Like you can mm. tell me whatever rank you are, but what does it mean? Mm. How like, yeah. how are how are your students more than just that number? What does that ranking mean? And how is it going to impact me if I start going to your school? I think that's a big thing like some schools right. are so obsessed with their rankings that you need to show me that students are more than just a number to you you need to show me 
some student stories. Tell me what your, your students are doing. What like, and what are the outcomes? Not just, oh, we're a number like whatever school in this. Like that, that means nothing to me. I, like it's a number. Yeah, I mean, uh, word of mouth is powerful, yeah. right? So like if I were able to decide and, um, you know, I have a friend that goes to certain campus and they tell me how um, impactful their life has been going, like studying in that school um, and um, how life-changing it is. And like, actually seeing the university is doing something about that. So like recognizing the students, I would personally want to go there more than the other school that is just like showing how like they are, um, you know, we are top 10, let's, yeah. let's say for example, but they're not showing any stories at all. So student stories and word of mouth is definitely very important. I, this is, I, I'm laughing to myself because our, our <laughs> listeners are probably like, oh my gosh, they're, you know, confirming a lot of the things that you guys talk about on the show all the time. So this is, this is wonderful. <laughs> I'm not paying them, um, but I, but I should be folks. Um, but no, a quick follow-up on the rankings thing. So, you know, schools do like wrestle with this a lot. Like one of the, th- one of the things I spend a lot of time doing is telling folks like, Hey, like, you know, you being the a top 20 school in, you know, the Southern Eastern part of the United States and flashing that all over your website, like to your point, what does that really mean? Like everyone ranks for something. Uh, it's not that hard to actually like rank for something um, because of how you know the business behind rankings work, um, which we will talk about another time. But to your point, yeah, I, I, I think what I hear you guys saying, which is spot on, is like, don't just tell me how you rank, tell me why that matters, right? Like what what is significant about that? Like why why should I care? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's definitely, like I just... I think so much about Gen Z is showing that, you know, we're more than just a number. Like you need to show that the rankings that you're getting, why are you getting them? Give me a student story. Give me a testimonial, like show me someone who like, and and do it for, you know, if you can do it from like multiple majors, because you don't know what a student that's looking at your website is going to be looking for. Like show me someone from, I don't know, I'm just shot in the dark. Like show me some, someone from the political science program or the marketing program. Where are they working now? What, what was their like time at your school? Like get, give me a minute to like not sit down with them, but like let them talk to the user and say, here was my experience, had some ups, had some downs, but you know what? At the end of the day, I had a great outcome and I was successful and I wouldn't have had that opportunity without this school. And that's what led to this ranking. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I just feel like I'll go yeah, ahead. Go like ahead. Growing up, growing up, um, like throughout social media, like all my life, pretty much like since I was young, I feel like I rely more on the fact that I, I trust like word that comes out of like people, for example, like my friends or my family rather than just like an ad on social media. And like ranking doesn't really matters unless to me that uh, my friend or a person of faculty actually like spoke out what, what they did um, to get that ranking or like to be able to work, become where the colleges are today. So it's the it's, same reason yeah. why you wouldn't buy a product that has a bad review. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, so we well said. <laughs> so well said. So I want to I, I want to transition uh, and start talking about voicey digital in just a second. But uh, last yeah. question kind of on this topic before before we do, you know, um, when when you guys uh, one of one of the big sort of questions for folks that are working in admissions or marketing today 
when it comes to reaching Gen Z is, do we take a more program slash major specific approach to our marketing and communications, or should we take a more sort of like overall brand experience approach to our marketing communications? Meaning, right to your point just a moment ago, Hannah, schools are often hesitant to be like, hey, you know, meet Zach, he's studying political science and doing this thing. Here's his story. And now here's where he's working three years after graduation, because they're worried that, oh, do, you know, do 16, 17, 18 year olds that are applying to college, do they actually know what they want to do yet right so i'm curious when you guys thought about college even if you didn't know exactly what you wanted to major in um how would you have preferred schools approach you with a little bit more of like a major or program specific approach or just kind of like a holistic you know brand experience approach with you know lots of drone footage on some you know general marketing messages like uh talk talk to us a little bit about that i think there has to be a really good balance, balance. Yeah. yeah we were on the same way like, right <laughs> now. like there has to be a really good balance and you're right like a lot of people when they are coming into college they don't know what they want to do or they do know what they want to do but it ends up changing um you know when i was applying to college i so i actually the at unh this was actually the only really business school that i applied to everywhere else was like more of a liberal arts focus um and i had no idea that i was more interested in that business focus of marketing rather than like the more creative side. But um, I think that, you know, you can wow someone all you want with the pretty drone footage. As long if you can get them to your website, that's the perfect time to introduce those student stories because that way, you know, they're interested. So say um, you're at like, say it's just a general advertisement because I know at UNH we have like about, we have a couple of different colleges within the university and they all vary around different things. Like we're in the business school, but we also yeah. have the liberal arts and the agriculture school. Having those differentiated ads and being able to target someone based on that. And then once you get them to convert over to the site, showing um, different student stories there from various majors. So mm. Um, you know, we've got in the business school, we've got, you know, marketing, accounting. I am absolutely not an accounting major. So if I saw accounting, I'd be like, oh, they're going to prioritize accounting. Like I'm, I'm marketing. Why would I want to look at this? Give me, give me a range of options. That's another thing. Gen Z loves options. We love to see, we love to see a range of things. So just paying attention to, um, how to get people to your site, which is such a, like, complex topic it's so Mm -hmm. hard to know what is going to get people to convert and like even speaking as a Gen Zer I don't know what will get me to convert I usually (laughs) don't know until I actually am doing it and I'm like oh my god this just got me to click on this ad yeah yeah would you add anything to that Uh, Kamal yeah I feel like um colleges needs to be aware of the journey that students are going through like like Hannah said like finding a good balance is definitely important as well but if you don't understand like the journey like such as like you know with hustle, for example, like the awareness, consideration, decision. If you don't know, like if students are in the awareness stage, you gotta make sure to, you know, highlight some of the programs as well. So sharing the alumni stories or being able to like speak out and show that what you guys are doing to um, help make the students like more where they are today, like becoming um, a professional. And it's just like depends to finding like the right balance to that and making sure, you know, um, that students are can convert into like becoming um, an actual students in their um, in their school is very important. So having that good balance and um, finding like the right medium between not just like showing drone footage, um, <laughs> but also uh, hiding that information as well. So just finding a good balance, I guess, it's it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Very very well said. Um, 
And I lied. I actually have one last question before we transition <laughs> to Voicey Digital. But in terms of uh, technology, right, and technology, the role technology played in your college search process, right? So higher ed is, is stereotyped as being an industry that, you know, doesn't always have the easiest to use tools uh, and software. And a lot of application portals are, you know, significantly uh, outdated. And um, a lot of the systems, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the systems, right, uh, that schools use are just uh, archaic. So I'm curious, like, during your all's application process and just college search process in general, like, how did you feel about, like, the technology that you were engaging with? Was it was it good? Was it fine? Was there, did it seem kind of cumbersome? How did, how did you feel about the, the tech stacks, I guess, that you were engaging with? Even if you don't know which, you know, software systems those were, what was that like? So is that like when you apply to, like, college and you have to, like, fill out some certain like, You sit up forms and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I feel like, that's a lot of time taking but as technology progressed for example like when i applied to colleges back then like four years ago i was able to fill out one form that can be used in multiple other applications and that just helped a lot but there is still like this tedious process of um putting in information um if it was like to make it an easier process for students to like enter data and um just overall like making the step even more easier process i feel like that would being able to have students take out the stress from applying, but also encourage them to apply to you know even more colleges and um, see like what options are like matters to them and what majors they want to pursue. I think that when it came to actually looking at colleges websites, though, some websites for colleges are archaic. Like <laughs> you need to think about who your main audience is and ease of use. You need to understand that like. You need to think that the person visiting your site knows nothing about you and like knows where nothing is on your website. How do you make things easy to navigate? And then also in terms of getting them to be interested in your school, like I can, I'm always like having, it's like more (laughs) flashbacks to like the college emails that I would get. I I still get like emails from one of the schools that I applied to trying to get me to transfer. (laughs) I'm a, a first semester senior. Like that is under mind, that mind blowing. mind blowing like that doesn't make any sense to me but um i think just making it super easy like make the user experience yeah. so easy and enjoyable and just like visually pleasing because again like we've talked about we're very visual people if you're yeah. gonna if i'm gonna go up to, if i'm gonna go to a website and see a bunch of words no thanks show me yeah. what show me what you're doing and why you're doing it you know it, i'll read like a quick blurb of text keep it concise um yeah. don't on that home page, fill it with text. I'm not gonna wanna. I'm gonna see it and be like, oh, that's a lot of work. Like that's, that's it's, it's, it sounds awful, but like I'm I'm just trying to think back to when I was applying to college. Like I loved like those clean looking websites that like really were enjoyable and like that especially if they load fast too. Yeah, if they load fast too. Oh god, perfect. But perfect. that like that like you were saying like that common app process. I it would took so long. I think I blo- I blocked all of that. <laughs> oh, so good. So do you guys uh, quick, uh, there's a debate in the industry right now around like, uh, you know, chatbots and kind of like conversational marketing. And I'm curious, like when you go to a website, even if it's not a school's website, um, like how, how likely are you to engage with a chatbot and or live chat feature on on a site? Do you prefer 
do you prefer a chatbot over live chat? Like, how do, I guess, how do you just feel about engaging on a website uh, with a website's chat tools? I think it depends. depends it depends on the site. site. And I think it also depends on what I'm looking for. If it's something super specific, I'll go for live chat. But at the end of the day, I'll probably use a chat bot. And I just, I'll hope that it's not blocked by having to give my email. Mm. Um, because in that case, I'm going to try and figure it out on my own because I know that if I give my email, which again, I'm an email marketer. So this is actually like, this is a debate that (laughs) I've dealt with internally. (laughs) I know that if I have to give my email to a college or university, I'm going to be blown up with emails and and contact. I, I filled out a form for a grad school the other day within five minutes, they called me because I just wanted to get more information about a program within five minutes. I was sitting in class. I was literally like in the middle of class. I was on my computer. I was bored. I was just looking at grad schools and filled out a form. All of a sudden my phone starts ringing and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like I'm just, I'm just trying to find out more information about your program. So that like, that is stuff that I hate that like I'm like that constant communication right after but also just mm-hmm. like please leave me alone so what, what <laughs> oh, oh this is this is so good Hannah so uh what what would you have preferred right so you fill out the inquiry form you you raised your mm-hmm. hand you said hey I'm interested in learning a little bit more you clearly didn't want to call five minutes later what sort of format or um uh you know communication sort of like style would you have preferred to to get the information that you were looking for and like how quickly would you have wanted that information I think I would have preferred just like an automated email Hmm. um, to come through because then I like, I know it's because I'm getting it immediately. I know that it's an automated email. It's not someone that's waiting on my response um, that I, I can, I can come to it when I'm ready, you know, and I can like, it's all about like when somebody is ready, because for me, all of this is like all of my search right now is very preliminary. Like I have no idea what I want. So I'm just trying to get more information. So send me an automated email with an info packet. I'll get to it when I get to it. And if I want more information, I'll pursue more information. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I didn't answer. So I didn't answer that phone call because I was in class. And then later that night, it was like, she let the she, the woman that called me left a voicemail. Um, I was like, okay, I'm not interested. I'm not going to call you back. Like I didn't, I didn't say this to her. I didn't call her back. I just was like, I'm going to leave it for now. I'll get to it when I get to it. Because again, this is very preliminary. I would like to take this on my own terms, on my own timeline. And it all, it also came up with like the, the caller ID came up with the college's name that I was looking at, which I found very interesting. Hmm. Um, later that night, it was about six o'clock. I was making dinner and I get a phone call that said, that says spam likely or scam likely. And I'm like, Hmm, I, I'll pick those up sometimes just because I, wanna, I, I might want to mess with them. I want to, I want to hear about my car's extended warranty. I pick up and it's the woman that tried to call me earlier that day in class about this school. And I, and I said to her, I was like, I was like, yeah, like I'm making dinner right now. It's pretty late at night. Like, yeah. And I knew, and she was in my same time zone because this was a school that is in the same time zone as me. And I like that immediately turned me off. I was like that, Mm. that is, and this, this school that I'm I'm not going to obviously name names, but like, it's a big school. Like it is a very big and popular school. And that like immediately turned me off and I'm still getting so many emails. Like, and I I told her multiple times, I am still like looking, I'm still like, I, I would not be going to the school for another year. And I know you do a rolling basis because you sent me that information packet that I finally went through. <laughs> but so I was like, so I am not interested right now 
but I might be later on and she will not leave me alone. Mm. She will not leave me alone. Yeah. So there has to be like some form of frequency cap kind of like, like un- <laughs> under, understand that yeah. like, I'm still like, I'm like, I'll get to it when I get to it, because this is one of those processes that, you know, it's, yeah. it's something I'm interested in doing. I'm going to come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. something that needs to be worked out right now. It's but like, if it were a product I was interested in, like, yeah, I want to buy that sooner rather than later. But like when we're talking schools and applications, there's a certain timeline yeah. for that. And I also said to the woman on the phone, I wouldn't be applying for about another <laughs> six months to a year. Yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, then let's, let's still try to set up a meeting. And I'm like, I said, no, yeah. like, that's enough more. again, again, it's six, six 30 at night. Yeah. This is my time, <laughs> which it, it gets into that. Like it gets into that back to the automated email where when I'm ready, I'll open that email and I'll take the time to read through it. And then if I want to pursue more information, I will. Sorry, I went off on I went off on a yeah. bit of a tangent. That was there, but like that, that was, was just something beautiful. that bothered that, me so no, much. This is this is unbelievable. This is this is incredible. Uh you both rock. All right. So I want to talk about Voice Z Digital, which is a student-run digital agency at UNH. And I want you guys to talk to us about how Voice Z was created, what it actually does, and then you know who some of your clients are. Yeah, so Voicey was created, I believe the pilot year was, um, it was, the pilot year was fall 2018 into spring 2019, and then our official first year was, um, and and my official first year was um, fall of 2019 and into 2020, yeah. Um, So I was a sophomore that year. Um, So it was originally started by about five students um, who had an interest in marketing, and there were no, like, um, really accredited organizations yeah. here at UNH that really worked hands-on with real clients. Um, so since then, we have brought on tons of clients. We actually have a partnership with the New Hampshire Small Business Development Center, um, who we get a lot of our clients from. They fill out our client intake form, um, and then we start a digital presence audit with them, which will go through all of their um, their uh, their website. yeah their website, their social media, SEOs. SEO, um, and we'll yeah so we'll take a look at pretty much all of their digital presence, um, write a report and come up with some recommendations, um, and then let them know you know and, and then we'll present them in a presentation format, um, and we'll deliver them this report and then we'll say okay here are our recommendations. We can do as a, you know, because we are still learning, you know, because the background of Boise is uh, to really make us ready for after graduation for people who want to go into the agency setting and have that hands-on experience that other people might not actually get. You know, they might just end up going into an agency blind being like, yeah, I want to do marketing at an agency and have no idea what an agency (laughs) actually is. Um, So that was a, that's a great thing is we know that we're still students and we're still learning. So we'll say, here are our recommendations. Out of these recommendations, these are ones that we can pursue with you as a client, you, and you, we can take you on. Um, and but here are ones that maybe you want to pursue another, like more established agency. So yeah. in the past, we've recommended. Um, I believe there was a woman who needed like a total, complete website rebuild. This was actually, this was in our first year. Mm. She needed a full website rebuild. And we just said, this is, it's not in our bandwidth right now. We do not have the capacity for it. Um, We don't have the experience. Here's an agency that we know specializes in it. And here, and we've already contacted her and let her know what you're interested in. If you want Mm. to pursue that route, go ahead. 
Um, but since now we're in our third official year, um, we've actually brought so many services in-house. So um, a project I'm working on right now is with an indie music store um, mm. in New Hampshire. Um, he, they offer all kinds of different instruments, um, rental to buy, they do lessons. Um, we're completely redoing his website, which is kind of funny because, yeah. you know, two years ago we had to refer somebody out for this, but now we are completely redoing his website, optimizing it for SEO. Um, and then we also are working directly with, um, the small business, the New Hampshire small business development center. So they're providing our clients but now we've also taken them on as a client, um, which is a yeah. very full circle. Yeah. And we're going to, they're doing um, their social. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we have a team of about four, four students, four I think, five, four yeah. or five students who um, are working directly with um, representatives from the SBDC um, to figure out what they want for their social mission, creating a content calendar, creating example pieces of content that they can post, um, making sure that like any blogs that they want to post are relevant to their mission and relevant to what they're trying to accomplish. Um, so it's it's been a really awesome year so far. We have never had so many clients coming to us before. Like uh, we're backed up like pretty we're oh, like we're pretty son. far like we have a wait we have a wait, yeah. we have a wait yeah. list right now list. of clients which is crazy to me so yeah, it's it's, it's very exciting um you're working on a really big project right now right yeah, yeah. do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah so my client is your oil pools which is a very huge e-commerce company that sells um essential oil, oil products but also like oil containers um books and it's basically like a mini Amazon for essential oils. Huh. So um, when we onboard the client, he's like, yep, um, identified um, everything that's wrong with my site and my like Google ads and social media. So the team, like it was a great learning experience. The team proceeds to like work together and, you know, learn a lot about Google ads and Google analytics and like proceed to just, you know, work together and provide solutions to the client. We also have our advisor, which is yes. Brad Solomon. He's the CEO and co-founder of um, SE Digital, who helped us um, learn a lot about Google Analytics and Google Ads in hand on the spot and teach us how to provide um, the right recommendation for clients and how to like, you know, present that's, the right way. That's another yeah. great thing is that a lot of local agencies that are, you know, fully established professional agencies, they have been so supportive of what Boise Digital is trying to do. And they've yeah. said to us, you know, if I had this back when I was in college, I would have loved it. Yeah. And they have been like, and they've been incredible. They've been coming to give us advice. Um, you know, they don't think of us as a competitor. They think of us as almost like a, a like, yeah, like a partner. It's awesome. So um, like you said, Brad, he comes in from uh, SC Digital, which is located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, and he advises us on our clients. So if we have any obstacles, anything that we're not familiar with, he has a whole plan laid out for us. Yeah. He teaches it to us. He works really, really close nice. with us. Um, so we, you know, we have the skills that we're learning. We're getting directly yeah. from the classroom and we're able to apply that in a hands-on yeah. way. Cause you can only do so much with the, uh, information that you're learning in a classroom it's when you're putting it into practice that you really learn. And especially with Gen Z, we're very hands-on. Yeah, hands so it's a big deal. We're, yeah. we're pretty, we're pretty proud of it. Like, um, definitely. As you, definitely yeah. Good. As you should be. I mean, this is, this is incredible, right? So there, there are very, very, very few, I, you know, I'm sure that there are models like this that exist elsewhere, but like, uh, this was the first, when I first came into contact with, um, the business and practice program, it was, 
the first time I had heard about this. And I talk mm -hmm. to people who work in higher education just about every day. So uh, what's super, this is a super, super neat model. You should totally be proud of it. A couple just like quick questions. Um, and yeah. you know, I, I, you don't, don't share more than you can or, or want to, but like, are you guys paid for this work? Is it all credit based? Like how like, these clients are, is this all sort of like pro bono? Like how, how does that work? Yeah, so um, it's a we have a, a process that we established this year. So we are not paid. Um, we are getting uh, credit for this. Um, so this is technically set up in a class manner. So we meet every Tuesday and Thursday from you know twelve forty to two, um, and we have uh, we use uh, the um, experiential learning space here at UNH called the Forge um, to operate as our office. Um, the clients are paying um, the SBDC, um, you know, they, they provide the clients and then um, cover the cost of an audit. Um, all of the, any profit we make goes toward overhead costs. Got it. Got um, it. You know, providing software for us to use. So anything like Adobe suites, Canva pro, um, you know, if we have any kind of thing that we might need to use that would benefit, you know, uh, right now, like we're, we're fronting the cost of site ground for one of our clients, um, until we get, while we build their site, um, until we can transfer it over to them. We're, so that's, we're kind of absorbing those costs. Um, and we're actually a member of the HubSpot education partner program. Neil Nyman's one of the founding members of that. Um, and they are awesome. So we get to use as part of the education partner program, the HubSpot platform um, to help with our agency's operations, um, organizing a lot of our client, our client deals. Um, we can't use that for our clients. It's more just um, internal sure. that we're using it for, but we're, because of that, we're also getting hands-on use with HubSpot, which so many um, agencies and even higher ed is using um, today. Uh, there are people at UNH who use that like yeah. in our, in our yeah. marketing, yeah. But they have a HubSpot portal. Um, so kind of getting back to what I was saying, like we are not paid, but there is money coming in and it's just to cover all of that. Um, we technically are not allowed to be paid based it, on the credit it. model yeah. that we have set up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. No, I was just, I was just curious on that. And so, uh, you know, my, one of my big questions for you all, uh, is, if UNH, right, were to come and be a client of Voice Z Digital, and specifically UNH is in missions and, and uh, marketing teams, and they were to ask you all to sort of run their enrollment marketing and student recruitment campaigns, how would you start, right? Maybe they gave you a million dollar budget, right, uh, to recruit the next generation of wow. <laughs> the next generation. I mean, folks spend a lot of marketing on marketing and recruitment, so... Um, yeah. you know, if, if folks were to come and give you some, some big budget to say, and you guys were in charge of helping recruit the next class at UNH, yeah. like, what would you do with that money? Like, wh where would you start? Like, what are some ideas you have? Yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of start off with how our process works, um, my, I'm I'm a member of our executive board this year. Um, so myself and the other members of our e-board would, um, meet with them, figure out what their goals are, first of all. Like, so if it was for recruitment, um, we'd ask, you know, a few probing questions like, what's your audience? What are your goals? Um, what what would you like to do first? Um, and then we can either say, you know, oh, that's worked in the past, or maybe it hasn't worked in the past. Um, and then after that, they we would move the client to a specialized group of students within the agency so we can have multiple projects running at once. Um, and then they would also do, you know, another kind of on, onboarding call um, where they can ask any questions they want. So um, I think after that, 
I, I don't know. I feel like a big thing would social be social media, media yeah. you know? And I know that we've kind of been talking about that a lot on this call so far, but you know, you got to make sure that your social media presence is very strong and that it's personable. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we'd want to check, okay, who is following you right now? What is, what is your follower base consist of? How many different accounts do you have um, as a university? Because so many universities, they've got different accounts yeah. that are connected. You know, you've got ones that are for the students, ones that are for the faculty, one that's very like PR based or one that's department based. So thinking about that um, and how each of those accounts are running, who's following them. So that way we can get a feel for who's interested in where they're from mm. and what their demographics look like. And then we can target them further through that. Do you want to, do you want to add to that at all? You're, yeah, you're, you're a much better social media guru than I am. Um, but well, yeah, I go think ahead. You're too, Hannah, but we'll definitely like spend that budget also on <laughs> AB testing and making sure that we are targeting the right audience. Right. Mm -hmm. So definitely a lot of um, trying out things that may or may not work, but also growing out through that experience. So we, we can definitely like do a lot of, um, TikTok campaigns that is uh, revolving around students' experiences. So actually going, um, heading out to like, you know, create some contents and hiring students like internship, for examples, and just to find stuff around campus, just to showcase um, the area and just, you know, influencer strategies, I guess. If student stories. Yeah, student stories. That's something um, that UNH already has yeah. been kind of trying to do, but student stories are huge. Take I'll it up a notch, yeah. bring, bring it really, like really zero yeah. it in and be specific and show what the school has yeah. to offer. You know, we talked, again, we talked about rankings earlier. This all links back to that and what, like, and we, I think just thinking back to, you know, it, it was only, you know, three, four years ago that we were in there in the shoes of their audience. Yeah. Like, what would we, what would we want to see? You know, these, the people that are running their marketing or like that are running really any higher education marketing, they haven't been in school since like before social media even existed. Like no, <laughs> no offense, no offense to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like they don't exactly know always like what's going to be best, you know, like you can spend a really long time learning about it, but you didn't live it like we did. So yeah. that's another great part about being in like voice C yeah, is that we market ourselves as that Gen Z marketing company. How do we, is your audience Gen Z? Perfect. You're, you're perfect for us. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. So one of the ideas we've been kicking around with some folks and, and trying to encourage more people to think through, and I'd love your guys' thoughts on this, is this idea of basically finding ways to hire either in-house, um, uh, you know, student-run, basically what you guys are doing at Boise, but fi finding ways to basically sort of like fund uh, students to become sort of like tiktok creators for the institution or to become sort of like hey like what would it actually look like to be able to find you know three individuals that we could pay almost as student workers to help run our snapchat strategy or help consult on our snapchat strategy like what do you guys think about like uh, models like that and have you have you teased this out with anyone or like if it's actually funny that you say that because you and is doing that right now. oh okay um, there you go yeah. or at least or at least the business school yeah. is um I know that we, in our communications and public affairs office in the business school, Paul College, um, they recently decided they were going to take on TikTok um, and they hired, I think, like three or four student workers and they pitch ideas to the, to the CPA team. They pitch the ideas, they produce all of it, then they get it approved and it gets posted. That's like, amazing. And it's, it's uh, so yeah. funny because like, it, it, it's kind of funny because to us, it feels like to, to your fellow students, it does feel a little bit cringy, but like you got to yeah. applaud their efforts. Like it's improving it's improving, and it's, and it's working. I'm, I'm watching the videos. I'm like, and it's funny. I get a little laugh out of seeing people I know, like do it, like doing this. So 
Um, but that, that's another thing is it's, again, students that are doing it. It's not someone that we think doesn't know anything about social or anything about us. It's yeah. people who are in our shoes and we're seeing them like filming this TikTok outside the building, talking about how much they love the school, but, but like in a, in like a TikTok trend manner, like, <laughs> like paying attention because, because these are people that are scrolling through socials yeah. on a constant basis. Yeah. They know what's trending. They know what's going on. And so they're able to take that and apply it toward, um, and that's what we're also doing in voice C. Yeah. We see yeah. our social yeah. team literally running around our office, like yeah. doing the funniest <laughs> trends, like one person, Yesterday, when we were working, Sprint. we sprinted in, and all of us were like, "We were like, what Whoa. is going on?" <laughs> and sure enough, they were filming a TikTok. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Oh, that's so good. Um, you know, uh, Kamal, something that you were saying a while ago was that word of mouth is, you know, so influential and that you would much prefer taking a recommendation on a product or a service uh, via a friend versus sort of like a, an ad that's popping up into your feed. I'm curious, like what you what you all think about um, like student referral and student like ambassador programs. So like, you know, we this is this to my knowledge isn't happening uh, or isn't happening as frequently at schools, but like. What would you what would you all have thought if like a senior that you knew uh, when you were a junior or a sophomore at your high school went to UNH and then, you know, they said, hey, you should come to this open house. And, uh, you know, what what would it look like? What are your thoughts on sort of like even them getting a little bit of a kickback if like you show up the open house? Maybe they get like a ten dollar Amazon gift card for every student they're able to bring to the open house like is that cringy? Is that like not cool? Like, what do you think about sort of empowering students and really sort of incentivizing students? Because again, at the end of the day, your, your colleges and universities, this is a business, right? And and you all are their customers. And so like, what are your thoughts on sort of helping uh, essentially kind of like pay promoters uh, to be uh, students to, to be promoters of, of the institution? What are what are thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> terrible. Do you, you want to do you want to speak on that first, or do you want me to speak on that? I mean, you can. You can right. go ahead. Um, this kind of gets back to that point I made earlier about being super genuine. If I learn that someone is being paid to like promote a school to me, I will probably feel a little bit like I'm not sure what they're telling me is the yeah. whole truth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I agree. With I that. was I was a tour guide here for a little bit, um, and. I wasn't paid. And I made that, like when I was on my tours, I made that clear. I said, listen, guys, I'm not being paid to do this right now. I'm here because I love the school and because I, I want you guys to know what you could be getting yourself into. Ask me, like, again, like, like I said earlier, ask me any question. I'll tell you. Yeah. Not being paid. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. But whereas someone who is being paid might have some either different motives or different rules and regulations they'll have to follow. So that's a very tricky area to be in. Sure. Um, I think if it were like kind of maybe like a promise of an Amazon gift card, like that's not as yeah. bad as actually being paid for your services. But I don't know. What, what do you think? I feel like just going like kind of using examples like paid influencer, for example, some paid influencer, you you, you can tell that they are being not genuine. But they haven't other. actually yeah. used the product. They haven't actually used yeah. the product. So I would feel kind of hesitant if I know that that person is getting like paid for like within the program to promote um to other students. But if they were like, let's say chosen to like do this, they had the opportunity to be like um, voted in this role to be able to um, market or not market, but um, tell students how great their campus are like, 
you know, being a dean's ambassador, for example, and actually speaking for a student, it shows that, you know, it makes me like kind of look up to the students because they are being chosen in the role and um, instead of getting paid, they're actually genuine, genuinely um, telling how great of the, of um, um, a campus it campus is, is yeah. then just, you know, overall, the motivation is different. You can clearly like tell if an influencer has a, like, you know, wants to market, market a product versus I'm the one that's just blatantly getting paid and not using the product overall. So yeah. kind of tied back to that. Right? It's all yeah. about finding the ones who are passionate about yeah. your school. I yeah. think if you're able to uncover who those people are, like it doesn't hurt to be like, hey, do you want to talk? Like, do you want to talk to a few students? Do you want to go back to like, well, maybe like if it's like, say it's a high school that someone went to in the area of the college, like, hey, do you want to come with an admissions counselor to a high school to do a quick, like a quick, it's uh, not open house session, but like an info session yeah, with students yeah. who might be interested. And that way, you know, you're a familiar face. They trust you. They know you. Um, and like, it, it, but you, and you seem to be very passionate, yeah. like use that as your motivation. And even if you get paid, um, if you're being upfront to like the, the students that you're speaking with, the high school, high school students that you're speaking with, I feel like that would be even more like show up as a genuine response than just, you know, blatantly, um, you know, advertising and then later on yeah i get paid for this um, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. if you're like being upfront and just tell the students that you know this is this opinion is truly from my heart it's not from like some form of to get more people to sign up to you know apply to the college um it makes me want to more apply to the campus than the one that just like later on like, oh i got paid for this role um and wasn't being genuine or upfront about it yeah so, no yeah. no very very good thoughts and uh i i appreciate that insight um so I have just a couple final questions for you all. Uh, the first one is around what are things that people who are running marketing departments uh, and maybe they're older millennials, they're Gen Xers or they're baby boomers and they they don't speak TikTok. <laughs> let's just say it that way, right? Um, and what are what are some things that they that folks that are controlling sort of big marketing budgets, whether inside higher ed or outside higher ed, but they have control over sort of like the messaging and the ads that are being run that you all are seeing and engaging with? Like, what do folks need to like stop doing? Um, and then what, if anything, are that people aren't doing? Like, would you like to see more brands, especially sort of in the higher ed arena, uh, begin to implement if the goal is to resonate with with folks like you? stop trying so hard yeah like i we're i i would say like we're not hard to please but like even though we are kind of a picky generation um but stop because if you're trying hard it, it gets to the point where it can be a little bit more like cringy yeah. and it's something where we can see right through you like that we can tell this is an old person trying to be a gen zer like figure like do some like real research, research like I do it like a focus group or something with some Gen yeah. Zers ask them what they want to see like or I'm sure like there's got to be yeah. someone in their life that is gen at, at this point I mean there's got to be someone in their life that is Gen Z that they can just run a quick question by like oh what would you think about this you know just don't don't try so hard we're we're, we're pretty I, I'd say we're a little bit we're kind of chill like yeah. it, it it definitely you can definitely see when someone's trying really hard. Yeah, you can definitely speak through that. But also, like, if you are like a university trying to advertise a younger student, work with them closely. Like what you initially doing, you know, have the students bring up ideas to them, and you know, have the real insight from the actual students itself. Because if you're just doing also like research, but not as well, um, doing a lot of research, but not actually like getting 
real insight from the students, I feel like you won't be creating an effective content um, towards that. So making sure that you have understand the students' per perspective as well, and um, actually taking in their ideas and not just you know advertising it um, through and through without doing an actual research and. Mm -hmm. Of course, being authentic is number one. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 So it's almost um, it's almost like you know put together your strategic marketing plan, but then like hey, rather than just trying to get sign off from leadership or the president, like go talk to students and say hey, this is this is how we're planning yeah. on spending money and what we're planning on doing over the next year. Like, what do you think? Yeah, because yeah. they will definitely be honest with you. They will not. <laughs> they will not sugarcoat it. Like that's no, absolutely. Not. That's something I've definitely noticed. Is there's a lot of brutal honesty to go around. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's oh that's. I think testing it is really key. But test yeah. it. I don't. I don't want to say test it in the lowest cost way possible. But yeah. when you have people who are willing to see, like who, who want to see that authenticity, like. Yeah just going to them and asking what they think, that's authentic in yeah. itself. Yeah. I feel like a simple focus group or a survey even will do. And, you know, just asking about like, be, be clear to the students as well. So, yeah. Well, great. I have one final question for you both. And it's just around, is there is there anything else that you think our listeners, again, most of the folks tuning into this pod are, you know, directors or VPs of marketing at colleges and universities. Um, so they're in, you know, positions of, of power or authority in some way, shape or form. And is there is there anything else you think it's important for them to know about Gen Z before we before we sign off here? Um, I think just understanding that Gen Z, I think, has been through a lot grow between growing well. yeah, yeah growing up on social first of all and also you know we've got we are growing up in covid um yeah. that you need to understand that it's it's been it's, for some people it's been a hard life you know like and you need to make sure that you're uh, like paying attention to that when you're strategizing and when you're bringing up new marketing yeah. strategies like think about Gen Z, think about your audience, think about what they've been through and what they want to see and just do your best, you know, and, you know, do your research, do your best and authentic. hopefully something good comes from it. <laughs> yeah. Once again, you know, be authentic. Um, if you are a director of marketing in a big firm and you have an intern that is Gen Z, you know, try to understand their perspective, um, work with them closely to like, best implement a strategy that, that is effective to our generation because um if things go wrong you know sometimes um gen c can we can be a little brutal but we are also a very understanding generation and um we would love to um have you guys um be more understanding and understanding our perspective as well so um just do a lot of research um make sure that you know listening to our generations to talking is simply just asking questions to you know your intern, let's say that that is um, um, who is the Gen C. As you know, we grow older. We're getting jobs now. We're looking for jobs. Um, but yeah, social listening is huge. Social listening is key. Mm. So, ah, uh, so much gold, guys. Thank you very, very much, Hannah and and Kamal, for your time. Um, this is this is wonderful. If folks want to reach out or just chat with you or you know better understand Voicey Digital, um, what's the best way for them to to get in touch? Um, LinkedIn, probably connect with me on LinkedIn, obviously. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, um, you can also probably just shoot me an email. Um, I'm pretty open about just talking to anybody. Um, but yeah, that, that's yeah. for me. What do you think? You can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. It's Kamal Waru, K-E-M-A-L-W-A-R-O-U-W. And as well as my email, 
kemal.warow at unh.edu. And, and if you have any more questions or insight, I'm happy to provide them. So great. thank you so much, guys. Of course, of course. And we'll, we'll go ahead and link those emails and uh, LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, you can just scroll down and go connect with Hannah and Kamal. Thank you both so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, Zach.